I, I, want, to, I want to give you the, the solution. This is the punchline. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the end of the message at the beginning. Anybody ever eat dessert first? My preference is to eat dessert first because a lot of times I'm too full to eat it last, but you got to make sure to get the dessert in, right? Um, you know, the title of the message today is, is When It All Gets Too Heavy. And, and in soul talks, we're talking about the heaviness of our soul. Anybody felt heavier? I'm not talking about the scales, though. That does affect me. I could, yeah, but... But I'm talking about your soul, your soul being heavy. How many of you have experienced a heaviness of soul over the past two years that you had never experienced before in your life? Just be honest. Just be honest. I, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've navigated through uh, numerous divorces of my parents and my sister and, and family members. I've navigated death. I've navigated uh, a near church split. 25 years ago, I've navigated a lot of things. I've never had to navigate the heaviness of soul that I experienced over the last couple of years related to COVID and all the repercussions of that. I just need to put that out there. All of us were going through it together. I, navigating all of the repercussions of what it means to gather, what it means if we don't gather. What does that mean to your soul? Can I tell you that no doctor on the planet, no psychiatrist, no psychologist, no person that studies economics has ever experienced what we've just gone through? I don't know that we're through it yet. But there weren't books written for it. There wasn't any, any everybody was having to learn in real time what it meant. Businesses are still struggling because they can't get workers. I don't, you, you, can, you can point to uh, the unemployment game, but that has nothing to do with it because people got to live on something. And, and so businesses are still struggling walking through this. Where did all the people go? Churches struggling. Where did all the people go? It's a heaviness of soul. Can I tell you the only one not caught unaware or by surprise is the Lord. The eternal one, the God that knows the end from the beginning. He was not sitting in his throne, wringing his hands, saying, I hope we come up with a solution. <laughs> he was not doing that. And he knows because he created us, he knows what our souls need to thrive. He knows that we are right? That we are not a body with a soul, but we are a soul that has a body. And as we said last week, our body though, our body keeps score. Our body keeps score. And so if you don't look after your soul, it'll show up somewhere in your body. It might show up with addiction. It might show up uh, with, uh, with damage. People sometimes cut themselves. People sometimes do all manner of things to their body because their soul isn't where it needs to be. Their soul isn't satisfied. Their soul isn't. Where... And so all of these things show up in our physical body. And then we want to work on, well, let me just put a Band-Aid on that. Well, that's, that's not going to help. Your solutions aren't going to help me. 
They, they might remedy my body and keep the blood in it a little bit longer, but if you don't take care of the soul, then it's just going to crop up somewhere else, right? So we got to get this thing down. And, and so the ancient paths, the ancient wisdom that God gives us from the word of God tells us how to look after our soul. The problem is we've, we've misconstrued it. The problem is we made it something that it wasn't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the end from the beginning. Here's, here's the, the whole end of it. This is the end of it. You and I don't know how to take care of our soul because we don't understand Sabbath. We don't understand Sabbath rest. We made it a day and then we fought over it. We're just like the Pharisees of old who, who had a whole list of things that you could and could not do. And they missed the point entirely. Sabbath was made for you. Sabbath was made for you. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Uh, so I'm going to give you the, the list of habits. This is actually not original with me. This is Rick Warren, but I picked it up probably about 30 years ago. He, they're, they're th it's not in your notes, so you're going to need to write it down, but it's easy to remember too. Anything that Rick Warren does is usually pretty easy to remember because he's that good. If you want to walk in Sabbath, you need to divert daily. Say divert daily. You've got to divert yourself from your work. You've got to just be and stop being. You've got to have a little Mary, not just Martha. You've got to be a person that pulls aside and notices what God did. What did we do when we, we sat, when, when I was sharing a moment ago, I was sharing with you the activity of the Holy Spirit in the house. In other words, things that I couldn't cause to happen. What I can do is I can create an atmosphere for the right things to happen. But if I'm trying to work, then I've just pulled it out of the place of rest, right? So, but I can create an atmosphere. And so when we create an atmosphere for Holy Spirit to work, it means I'm diverting myself from my own work. I'm, I'm diverting. So on a daily basis, on a daily basis, we, we move into that place. We, we, we walk in the spirit. We go outside and we look up at the sky. We, we look at what God made. We take it all in. We just take it all in. We think about the goodness of God. We think about the faithfulness of God. We look at his activity and we join him because he created it for us to enjoy. Are you with me? So divert daily. Some days we get up and we work and we don't even notice what's going on around us that God did. Because we're so wrapped up in what we are doing. Right? Some, people, some, some of us plug into a, a computer and we stay there all day and, and then at the end of the day, we got nothing left. Why? Because there wasn't any rest. There was no restoration flowing in your soul. God, God created that. The scripture, the scripture tells us wisdom cries aloud. You can get wisdom from God in any, any way. And so rest is part of that crying aloud. God, wisdom is, you know, rest is the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God. Rest from your labors, right? So divert daily. Um, withdraw weekly. Withdraw weekly. Now let me tell you, the Sabbath is not about a day. I'm going to say it again. The Sabbath is not about a day. It's not about taking a day off and switching from the work that you did for somebody else. So I'm now I'm just going to work for myself. Can I tell you, I did that a lot. 
When I first got started as a young minister, uh, I worked six days a week, and then I worked, uh, that was Monday through Saturday, and then if I had work that I could do between church services on a Sunday morning, I did that too, you know? That, that's what I did. I had to hustle in order to get things because I was self-employed. Wasn't anybody else going to do it? And, and where, where my family was, I needed to hustle during that season, but I had to learn the habit of rest. Withdrawing weekly means that you, you take some time and you pull away from whatever, whatever you're doing to, to earn and you just replenish. You just sit on that creek bank or you sit and watch the water go by or you do whatever you have to do that restores your soul. Sometimes I tinker in my garage. I have unfinished projects all over my garage. It would probably drive my wife crazy. If we hadn't already pre-designed, look, if it's in the garage, it's mine. Don't worry about it. If it's in the study, it's mine. It can look like a wreck. I'll get to it later, you know. And, uh, but so, so whatever I need to do to just distract myself and, and just pursue whatever that is, withdrawing weekly and then abandon annually. Holly and I just came back from uh, a week in Lake Lure, North Carolina, uh, and we had, uh, we had a, an Airbnb and our kids were there. It was just a great time. It was just sitting back and just looking, you know, as, as you get older, you look and you appreciate your family. You appreciate them in ways that when you're younger, you don't really appreciate them because you're trying to keep them fed and clothed and all that other ridiculous stuff. But when you get older, you look and you, you, you notice things differently. You, you enjoy, you appreciate. And so the stage in life that I'm in, I'm finding that now my role is, is creating a space for them to rest is creating a, a, a moment in time where I can say, just cease from what you're doing and come over here. You know, this is what the Father does for us, doesn't he? Jesus is Lord of what? The Sabbath. He's Lord of the Sabbath. Um, we will get into your notes still. But let me, let me say, let me share one thing. I don't, well, I don't want the 8 o'clock to have something that you didn't get. Okay, so here, here's a, a thing I want you to understand. That Sabbath is the place where you and I get restored and we become impervious to temptation. Sabbath is the place where we humble ourselves so that our pride will no longer get us in trouble. Because in Sabbath, you remember that you're the created and not the creator. Sabbath is where you remember to follow and not lead. Sabbath is the place where you're restored and, and, you, and you learn your identity in that place of rest. This is why the prophets of old would, would preach so strong against breaking the Sabbath. And I used to say, well, how come... How come, you know, I mean, I understand all the other commandments, but, but why, why is this guy preaching against uh, breaking the Sabbath and violating the Sabbath, but you got over here lying and, and adultery and, uh, and coveting and, all of the, and murder and all these other things, but why, why is he taking the time to preach the Sabbath? You've never, ever sinned that you didn't violate Sabbath first. Because when you're in the right place in the Lord in rest, you're at peace. 
If I'm at peace, I can't be tempted. If I'm at peace, I'm not looking at another woman because everything I have need of is already satisfied. If I'm at peace, I'm, I'm not going looking for another drink or a drug or a drag. I'm not, I'm not doing any of those things. Why? Because I'm totally at rest in God. How did I get there? I Sabbathed myself there. I found that my soul is, is completely at rest in God. And so I didn't, I, I'm not tempted by those other things. And, and so Sabbath is this powerhouse place where you just get in God. And, and see, God is not tempted by anything. So if I'm in Christ and I'm fully clothed in Sabbath in him, then, I, then the enemy has no hold on my life. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Do you know God created, you know, he started creating on, the, on day one. He ends uh, creation with man on day six. And, and what do we know about the seventh day? He what? He rested. Right. So this will blow your mind. Do, do you know that, that uh, Moses wrote Genesis while he was living Exodus? And the Ten Commandments occur in Exodus. Right? So he, he understands something about God. Moses is an amazing human being. Amazing human being. So, so Moses understands that, that the day of rest, actually though it falls on the seventh day for you and I, it was just God returning to his previous state. In other words, God was at rest before day one. And that he began working the work of creation on day one, but he came from rest in order to, to begin creating on day one. Creation takes six days, literal days, spans of time. I don't really care. It don't matter. God made it. How do I care how long he took him? What difference? I, I know there's a whole, oh, you got to, yeah. Been through all that, made my decision, moved on. Here's the point. We make Sabbath about a day, but for God, it's never been a day. It's always been a state of being. And when we move into the Lord and we find our habitation in the Lord and our soul is satisfied in God, we are Sabbathing and we are restored and so it's not about what day of the week it is. It's about the state of my soul in God. So there can be all kinds of work going on around me, and I'm just in the presence. I'm just Sabbathing. I'm just enjoying what he wants me to enjoy. And I don't have to live at the pace that, is, that, that we were never designed to function at. Because this world just siphons it off out of you. What is it that's in you that has to, you're sitting on the couch and you're just enjoying it and then all of a sudden you're, something clicks and you got, I got to go do something. I got to do this. I got to, I got to. Or your brain just never shuts off. We talked about that last week, right? There's something on, on the inside of us that's just not satisfied. Now, I, I'm not a, I, I, can preach you a, I can preach you a month of sermons on work. I'm all about the diligent hand. I'm all about go to the ant, you sluggard. 
can we just have fun? It's just us. I'm all about that. But where do I go to work from? I go to work from the place of rest where I know who I am in God and I'm not trying to work out my identity through the work of my hands or through that vehicle I had to buy or that house I had to own or that ad infinitum, everything else that becomes a chasing after the wind, the scripture talks about. Because you're never going to catch it. But you're going to find who you are in God and you find that place of rest and that place of peace. In your notes for those of you that will not have a good day unless we fill in your blanks. There are three reasons, three main reasons that I would talk about today why we would get, uh, our soul would be heavy. We're heavy with hurts from the past. We're heavy with trouble in the present. We're heavy with anxiety about the future. The scriptures are right there for you to dig into. Here's the thing you need to learn to do in order to look after your soul. You need to learn to speak to your soul. Remember I talked to you earlier about how our kids get hungry and, and, uh, and when they get hungry, that's about when they're, that's when they're going to grow. They, you got to feed the hunger, and they, but some of us don't recognize when our own soul gets hungry. And we talked last week about restlessness of soul and how that we're restless for anything but satisfied with nothing, that we got to constantly be moving, 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 moving. There's that restlessness of our, of our soul and we don't get to the place where it's satisfied. You need to learn to recognize that your soul is restless or heavy and it's, and it's going to work out its expression through your body. You're going to behave a certain way. And we're really good at dressing up our body but we neglect our soul on a daily basis. We're really good at dressing up the outside, but inside we don't like what we see. So let me focus on the thing that I can do and I can look after the outside. But the Bible tells us it's exactly the opposite. That if you take care of the inside, it doesn't matter so much what you look like on the outside because it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to live, you need to live from the inside out. Ephesians 5 uh, talks about that. Uh, Peter talks about that. Wives, your adornment shouldn't be from the braided hair and the gold earrings and all of that kind of stuff. It should be the beauty of an inward character that's working its way out on the, in, on the outside. Ugliness comes from stress, Right? It'll, it'll make an ama- a, a person that, that could be a, a, a model or, a, you know, whether male or female. Uh, you know, when we're under stress, it's, it's ugly life. So you have to learn to speak to your soul. How do you know when your soul needs speaking to? It probably needs speaking to more often than you. Not, but, you know, we've been told somewhere, don't talk to yourself. And others of us have flipped so far the other way. We said, well, you know, I have to talk to myself. That's the only time I have any intelligent conversation. (laughs) But David understood the soul. He said, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? Do you ever stop and say, I'm feeling something, but I don't know why I'm feeling it. So you need to reflect. Why am I feeling this way right now? What happened? And then, you know, if you were to answer yourself, maybe a counselor would be helpful right then in that moment, and they would ask you some questions. What's different this week than was last week? Well, you know, and then you, and then you could start making your list. And by the time you were done, you know, your, your counselor needed counseling. 
wow, maybe those five things that happened wore you down. Did you ever think that? You and I, you know, a lot of times we just kind of keep going on and we never ask the question, why am I downcast? Why am I? And, and, and so, so David said, you know, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. So you got to speak to your soul. Touch your neighbor, say, speak to your soul. David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. And some of us, we just weren't, we, you know, we, we, weren't, learn, we weren't taught to, to look after the inner life. We were taught to look after the outer life. You know, when the, the most, uh, furthest most of our parents ever went was, say, well, sit down there and read the word. You need to pray. Why do I need to pray? They, you weren't told it was good for your soul. You aren't told that the word of God on the inside of you, even when you don't feel like it, comes out when you need it the most. The word of God is what will cause you to be buoyant. The word of God will, will cause hope to rise up on the inside of your soul. And, and you, weren't, you weren't taught any of that. You weren't taught about the inner life, but you were told, brush your teeth, clean your plate, clean your room if you're going to live in this house. You were taught all the outward things, but not the inward things. I'm telling you, speak to your soul. I'm telling you, it, it let faith rise up on the inside of your soul until it's happy, till your soul is glad. You begin to speak these things. What kind of things do I need to speak? Remember God's faithfulness in the past. God was faithful in your life one moment, and that moment is meant to go with you your entire life. It's your story. It's your testimony. It, it was a, a moment where you watched God come through in your life, and it wasn't just for that moment. It was for your entire life. Remember the faithfulness of God. Don't let that be a generic, you know, no, go back and what were the things where God came through on your behalf and it's part of my story. It's part of my story. It, it, and I own it. Even today, there are moments that I can stop and reflect and I can say, man, God came through. I could, I could tell you about the house that we owned up on Ferry's Mill that uh, we had sold our house and it wasn't the market that it is today, but we had sold our house. We had no place to go and I had a friendship. I had a relationship with a, a brother from Ebenezer Baptist and he said, you know, we got this parsonage up here. Nobody lives in it. It's a sore spot with the church. Uh, he said, let me talk to the elders. And so I'm like, well, what do I need to know? I need to know about, you know, I need to turn the power on. I need to get the oil straight. He said, no, it's, it's, all, it's all taken care of. Come on. I, I took my family. What, what grown family can move into a house and live for six months, zero cost? And every month I'm like, I know there's a phone bill. Can somebody let me pay it? I know there's an oil bill. Can somebody let me pay it? No, we got it. We got it. We got it. And at the conclusion of that six months, we bought the house. They paid the closing costs. It was the first unanimous vote the church had had in decades to sell us this house. I, I, I just preached myself happy, just reminded myself how God, how God provides God has been faithful. That's part of my testimony. You can't take it from me. Neither can the devil. Right? So, so your story, you need to remember, you need to recite the miracles that God did. Why? Because they weren't just for back then. They're to help you get over the mountain today. 
That's what fuels you. That's what keeps you going. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. Secondly, cry out to God in the present. Now, whoever told you it wasn't when you're now, uh, granted, granted, don't you? You probably don't want to do this publicly. Sometimes we confuse private and public. You know, in our walk with God. Some people complain and cry out publicly when they should shut their mouth and go close the door and then say whatever they're going to say. Right? God can handle it when, when you got a complaint. He is the ultimate complaint department. In fact, he's the only one that can really help you anyway. Usually what happens when we're complaining in public is because we want somebody else to do our faith work for us. Well, hoping if I share this publicly, they'll just come through on my behalf. We either need God to come through or we need a million dollars. I don't know which. (laughs) What have you just done? You just created an idol. You see, anything that you would do in God would go by faith. and can't just be cured with money. What kind of person does God want me to be when I come up out of this closet space? You can complain to the Lord. It's okay. This is what uh, Psalm 142 says. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell, I tell my trouble. I cry out to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. How many Psalms have you ever read that start out with a huge complaint and get, by the time you get to the end of the Psalm, they're praising God? They're saying, they, they got themselves happy. What they have to do, you know what happens is sometimes we get under it, our soul gets heavy, and when we pour out our complaint to God, we unload our soul. We get on the other side of that. Let me tell you though, we've got it so easy in America, we'll just go take a pill, or we'll just go get a bottle, or we'll just go some. and instead of soul care, we find ourselves connected to something that's external. We find ourselves now needing something that that is outside of us. We always need that friend or we always need that person. Well, what can that person do but get connected to God with you? But if you poured out your soul to the Lord, you would find yourself getting stronger. You pour out that complaint. You pour it out for as long as it takes. Get it out of you. Get that poison out. Get that complaint out. Get that frustration out. Get that anger out. It's that God can handle it, and you're going to find, guess what, light comes over. Then, then, the, then the sunlight starts to break in through those dark clouds in your soul, and pretty soon you're like, oh, oh, wow, oh, wow. Man, I feel so much better. But oftentimes we don't do that because we don't grow in the Lord the way we need to. Lastly, trust in God's power for your future. Trust in God's power for your future. Some of us uh, get all uptight about all the steps and the details and all of that kind of stuff. You know, we want to be those people of faith. God will never give you the formula for your success. And God help you if you're following people who give you formulas. The nearest thing that I can figure is that Jesus never healed the two people the same way. He never did. He has a custom plan for you. A customized plan. It's, it, it only fits you. It only works for you. It only works the way he wants it. Why? Because he wants you to put your trust in him, not in your own formula, your own plan. Um, 
I'm going to read this, and then, and then we're going to go to the altar. Be strong and courageous. This is God speaking to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord, right? Uh, the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. God was faithful in the past. He's good in the present, and he's going to be with us in the future, right? He's been faithful in the past. He's good now in the future. He is going to look after you. He's already there. He's already seen the end from the beginning. I want to encourage you to stand with me this morning, and let's take a minute some of you came in here with some heaviness, and I want you to name that heaviness. Is it something from the past that somebody did? Do you need to forgive somebody? Is it a decision that you made that you still have regret about? And you feel that regret ties you down like an anchor to your past, that regret. I can't get past this thing that I did. You know, God's bigger than all of that. Now, when it comes to people, you have to forgive. You have to forgive. You have to forgive and release them. It's an act of your will. It doesn't come from your emotions. Your emotions will say, no, it's too painful. I just can't. It doesn't come from your, from your mind. Well, they don't deserve it. That's a human argument. You don't deserve what God has done for you. But he still did it. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. And in the same way, you and I have to forgive people, and it doesn't matter if they're dead. You've got to forgive them. You've got to release them because that's poison in your soul. If you don't, you're not doing anything to hinder them. But that unforgiveness will hinder you. So it could be a person. It could be a decision that we made. Maybe you need to let yourself off the hook for that decision you made. Maybe you need the person you need to forgive you look at in the mirror. And you say, you know what? I can look back now and I can see that was a stupid decision. But at the time... I thought I was doing the thing. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Don't stay tied to your past. So let's close our eyes right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just forgive anybody, alive or dead, that's ever done anything against me, that's ever hindered me. I carry it around with my soul today, but it's too heavy, and I don't want to carry it any longer. Today's my day. I forgive them. I release them. I hold them harmless. I don't hold anything to their charge. I cancel the debt. It's zeroed out today. I forgive and I release them right now in Jesus' name. Come on, just receive. Now, I'm using words, and you may need to put words in that are different, but I want you to follow the spirit of what it is that I'm saying right now.
Let's move to the second one, decisions we made. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are all-knowing, but I'm not all-knowing. You are all-wise, and in many ways, I'm foolish. But today, I forgive myself for not living up to my own standards. I forgive myself for decisions I've made in the past that I felt like ruined my future. But I understand today from your word that as long as you are with me, my future is not ruined. That you have plans for me and desires for me. That if I'll follow your way, I'll walk in all of your plans. So I forgive myself and I release the hold those decisions, those past decisions have on me. Because I want to walk into the future, into a future of obedience, following you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I just release myself because you've already forgiven me, and I just need to forgive myself. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, just receive from him right now. Holy Spirit's doing a work. I sense God moving in your heart and mind. He's lightening your soul. He's getting the poison out right now. He's giving you a hope and a future. You've read it in the Word before, but you never really could grasp it. You never really could believe that God had a hope and a future for you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And you would hear that those words from Jeremiah, and you say, well, that's for somebody else. And you deflected it. That's for somebody that does it all right. That's for somebody that comes from a different family background. And you deflected it. You pushed it away. And Jesus says, that's for you. That's for you. I wrote that for you. That's your promise. Take a hold of that promise today. In the name of Jesus right now. Come on, just receive it. Come on, just receive it. Tell your soul, receive that soul. Receive that promise from God. Receive that promise from God. Receive that smile from the face of God. Receive the Father's heart this morning. Receive his love. You don't have to live outside of his love. You can't run from his love. His love is everlasting. Hallelujah. Right now in the name of Jesus, I just pray over these saints, God. I pray over them today, Lord God, that they would no longer be tethered to their past. But they would be holding fast to a hope that enters through into the presence of God behind the curtain. The hope that holds us fast. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And it pulls us into the future. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are right here. Lord, that every one of us would be gathered around the marriage supper of the Lamb. That, Lord, everyone within the sound of my voice would make it all the way in. Because I refuse to quit on them. And Father, you're not going to quit on them. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would never quit on you, God. I'm thankful, Lord God, that even when we are faithless, you are faithful, God. And you're looking after them, Lord, to pull them into that future that you have for them. Father, I pray that every soul would be delivered today in Jesus' name. Shokata palabakosa palabakabasa karatika. 
Come on, God's doing something right now. God's doing some. Get hungry for what God wants. Get hungry for what God wants. Get hungry for what God wants. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you with an everlasting love. Come on, just let him fill you up right now. Come on, I sense the Holy Spirit bubbling up in places. He he wasn't given opportunity to move before, but now he's got opportunity. He, you got that unforgiveness out of the way. Holy Spirit says, I'm going to fill you. I'm going to fill you right now. You got rid of that unforgiveness. You got rid of that poison. You got rid of that pain. Oh, Jesus, right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Come on, we're on God's time right now. Let him do his business on the inside of you. Jesus, you said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you for lightening every load in this place today. Within the sound of my voice. Thank you, Lord. You are our deliverer. You are our God. You are our strong tower. Father, we praise you for that right now. We praise you for releasing life right now in Jesus' name. Just receive his life. One more time, just everybody lift your hands. We're going to close out here. But I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that they would receive a fresh wind of heaven today, a fresh breath from Almighty God, that they would receive a refreshing, they would receive a restoration right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would breathe into their nostrils, Lord God, the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation, for the shalom of everyone who believes. And we receive it today. We receive all that you have for us right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen.